Welcome to the School of Travels podcast. I'm your host, Becky Gillespie, and each week I bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone. My guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way, which I hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher. Hello, listeners and fellow nomad cruisers, if you're tuning in this week, welcome back to the School of Travels podcast. This week, I am bringing you my very first guest who became a digital nomad over the age of 50. His name is Pale Bo from Denmark, host of the Radio Vagabond podcast, and I met him back in November when I went on my very first nomad cruise, and it was actually Pale Bo's third nomad cruise. So I got to learn a lot from him and swap travel stories and hear more about his background which is absolutely fascinating. He he makes a terrific podcast, which is very on the road, right out in the, in the markets and in the food stalls, in very back corners of the earth that you may have never been to. So please check out the Radio Vagabond podcast. And I now hope you stay tuned to hear more about Pale Bo and how he started Digital Nomad Life over the age of 50. Let's find out. Welcome back to the School of Travels podcast, and I am very happy today to be joined by my new friend, Pale Bo. Pale Bo, welcome to the School of Travels podcast, episode 31. 31, wow, the, the, the hard 31. Yes. <laughs> Thank yes. you, Becky. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, first of all, Pale Bo, I think we should uh, describe for our listeners where we are right now and how we met, because I think it's a pretty interesting story. Yeah, we're we're early in the morning uh, it's uh, in a in a place here on a cruise ship close to the library uh, this is uh, the game room where people normally sit playing cards at night and if we look out the window we can see the ocean as we're heading closer to Oman yes I think we're due today to get off the boat after mm. another day at sea we've been on the cruise for like 14 days now yeah Wow. We've got three more to go. Yeah. Getting close to the end. Yes. I'm getting sad. Yeah. How are you feeling about it? It's been another great cruise. This is my third Nomad cruise, and it's been... It's it's just an amazing way to travel, and uh, I've made so many new friends and met so many of my old friends, uh, so... Uh, it's... it's it's We're, we're part of a, a family here on the ship. Yeah, I feel like I want to do a completely new episode based on my first Nomad cruise here. Mm. But um, I, It's not your last. It will not be my last. I know that. Um, but we connected early on because I found out, like day two, that you are also a podcaster and you That's have right. your own podcast. Yeah, yeah. So great to uh, to find other podcasters. Uh, and it tends to be more and more. Uh, normally I was the only one in the room being with a podcast. But here uh, of, of the Nomad Cruises, I've counted at least five. But I think there's more. Uh, I think so too. And there's even more that want to start their own podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Our meetup that we had here. Yeah, you, you organized a meetup, and I, I think we were around 20 people there. So yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, Pali now I'd like to get into your history. Mm-hmm. So first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, I am from Denmark. Uh, I'm 55 years old, so I'm, I'm one of the middle-aged nomads. Uh, normally, uh, the, the nomads are typically between 25 and 35. That's the main majority. 
uh, I think. So we are a few that are older than 50, and uh, I started my nomad lifestyle three and a half years ago. I became a full-time traveler after I my kids moved out of the house. I have two daughters. They're 23 and 25, and they, they graduated and moved out. So uh, I could see that I could start traveling. I'm a radio producer. I have my own uh, radio and podcast production company and consulting firm. And uh, I, I can do that anywhere. So I decided to sell everything, my house and my car and my furniture, and start traveling um, full time. And I did that in the summer of 2016. And I haven't looked back since. Well, I have to say that you are the very first middle-aged nomad, as you've said, on this podcast. And I'm really interested in this part of the story, especially the fact that I heard you yesterday tell everyone in our group when you were on stage talking about your story that you had never left your town. For, for the longest time, you were just living in the same town. I had left it. I, I, I did a lot of travel, but I, I lived there. I, I never lived in another place uh, than uh, a, a small area of, of rural Denmark, um, in, in close to a, a city called Randers, which is uh, around 30 kilometers away from uh, the second biggest city in Denmark. Uh, but I love it there, and I, it's... it's still one of my favorite places and I could easily see myself going back there once I stopped traveling. Um, I don't know, but um, it's it's a beautiful place, but I lived there all my life and I thought it's not going to be in my tombstone. He lived in Randers all his life, so uh, I, I was toying with the idea of uh, finding somewhere in the world and live there for a couple of years and then go back. Uh, and. That's when I started thinking maybe it should be Cape Town. Somebody said it's a it's a good place for for radio, which is my profession, and um, and nice people and beautiful nature, good weather, good wine. Uh, so uh, and uh, so I went there and and that's uh, for for two months and uh, and realized I could work anywhere. My clients uh, they didn't even realize that I wasn't in Denmark so I thought oh that's that's a thing to be a nomad with as a as with what I do and then I just thought why settle with one place when there are so many places on this planet that I want to see so yeah then I started uh, traveling full-time and then taking it to one country at a time so you were in Cape Town for two months, and then you went back and decided. Yeah, that was in sell. 2013. Uh, okay. So I, I, that was just to try it out. What's it like being in another place for a bit longer than what it wouldn't be the normal vacation? So I, I went there really to just to just to try out what what it feels like. Um, yeah, that was in 2013. Wow! And how did you have the courage to finally make that leap and sell all your stuff and get on the road? Well, I started slowly with the plan. It, it, it just grew and grew and grew, uh, and then I said it out loud. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sell everything and then start traveling. I did put a few things in storage, my vinyl records and my books, and, and a few personal items there in, in storage, but um, uh, all the other stuff is sold. And then when I sold my house, like three, four months before uh, I, my journey was about to start and I started selling off all my furniture one piece at a time and I could hear there being more echo in my in my living room uh, as, as things went out. I had uh, 
I, I thought, oh my God, what am I doing? Uh, what, is this a big mistake? Uh, I was really uh, on my way out of the comfort zone. And I thought, right now, I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to be here in my own house with my own stuff. And I thought, oh my God, is this a big mistake? Um, but then I started traveling and um, it's been great ever since. I've never had a second thought uh, after I left. So, but But I had this feeling is that what the hell am i doing here <laughs> yeah was that like a, a couple of weeks before you no, a couple of months before wow yeah. <laughs> how did you work through that well i just said well i've 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 made a commitment to myself and i i've said it out loud so many times so uh, but i was i was way past the point of no return so uh, <laughs> uh, so i i there was no way I would change my plans, but I had this feeling that, oh my God, right now I don't want to go anywhere. Just want to be in a fetal position in my couch watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> With everything familiar. Yeah, exactly, familiar exactly. How are your kids about this whole idea? Oh, they they uh, they think it's cool, and and with the uh, ways of communication these days, we're uh, we're so close. We uh, we communicate almost every single day and uh, speak a lot. But at least we write about just random stuff that's going on in our lives. So we're we're super close, and um, actually, I feel that we we speak more now than we did when we lived in the same house. Uh, and, um, and and they're off doing their own thing, and uh, they're in university, one studying anthropology and one studying uh, arts and design. And and they visit me from time to time. Actually, in a few weeks, uh, I'm um, in, in in the middle of January. I'm I'm flying out to Chiang Mai for a couple of weeks. And uh, my youngest daughter, who was with me when I was in Chiang Mai the last time, when she heard that, she booked a flight there. Uh, She's a, a part of her study where she could. She just has to be writing some stuff, and she said, "I can do that in Chiang Mai." So she's flying out there, uh, actually getting there a couple of weeks before I do. So she's staying a month in Chiang Mai, uh, and we're gonna spend some time together where we were hanging out when when we were in in Chiang Mai before. So they they visit me from time to time. She traveled with me for four months when she had a gap year. And um, that was in, in Asia, and uh, we did a lot of countries in Asia, and um, including North Korea. Uh, and, um, and and my oldest daughter came to Japan when we were there, and we spent two weeks together. Um, then they flew back to Denmark and uh, did their stuff. And uh, when I was in Cape Town, they flew uh, down and, and visited me there as well. So we we see each other a lot, and we speak a lot. So And they think it's, it's pretty cool what I do. Um, at least that what they what they tell me, but I think so. <laughs> I've never thought about this, but I think it would be kind of a great tip if you can manage it to like if start this lifestyle as a middle aged nomad or whatever you're calling it. But um, while your kids are in college or mm. they have mm. this gap year mm-hmm. time, because mm-hmm. then you can I think more ease into it if they've yeah. got the time to come and see you. Yeah, and I, I the way I see it, I I never did the backpacking around the world trip uh, after school. I went straight uh, for my work and I enjoyed my life. I I wouldn't change a thing uh, about what I did but I never did the big around the world trip uh, that's what I'm doing now and uh, because I see this as this is my window to go travel uh, and then when 
I say the end date of my travel is when they uh, start having a family and, and get kids. I want to be back in Denmark and a part of that, uh, and being a granddad. But uh, that's not going to be within the next 10, 15 years, I'm sure. It's, it, that's, that's a long way down the line. Wow, interesting. Well, I, I have to ask, like, wh- what kind of crazy stories do you have any? I, I mean, I'm already interested about North Korea here, but what has happened since you've started this journey? Well, so much, so much. I've—I uh, don't even remember exactly how many countries I've been to on this uh, journey itself. But I've, in total, I'm up to 86 countries, and uh, I've also did a lot of traveling in the U.S. I've done 42 U.S. states. So uh, it's 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 quite all over the place, and uh, I haven't been to Australia yet, but that's uh, it's about the the only continent I, I haven't been to. Um, so yeah, uh, and and for stories there are so many, mm-hmm. so many, and uh, I try to document those stories in my podcast. Yeah, what is the name of your podcast? It's called the Radio Vagabond, um, and uh, I do it both in Danish and in English. So remember to to search for the Radio Vagabond, otherwise you get the Danish one. Uh, and it's um, uh, yeah, it's 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 where I tell stories of uh, what what's happening on my journey and uh, record on location, and, and then I do the occasional interview and uh, uh, with other travelers and. Uh, I'm going to interview you in a few minutes. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Well, one one thing I'd heard about your style, I, I will say that I'm going to be listening to the Radio Vagabond in English, but I've had access or access issues, let's say, on this cruise. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I've heard that you really follow locals down the back streets and you really try to get into the local community when you're interviewing and mm. traveling around. Do you have a certain thing you're looking for or style that you're going for in different places i'm just trying to emerge as much into the 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 culture of the the country i'm in uh i don't have a specific theme it's uh it's both a a series about my my travel and what what's going to happen it's uh, so people can follow along and uh, but i try to to get a sense of what it feels like being in a country so if I can uh, speak to the locals, I, I, I really try to do that. And uh, but then I also just walking around in, in in the in the street, so you get the sense of what it sounds like in a in a city. So you will hear this the scooters of Hanoi and uh, the sound of a mosque in uh, in Morocco, and uh, yeah, and the traffic and the people, the languages uh, in the background. Yeah, because I'm always looking for ways as I, the longer I travel, especially as a nomad, I always like trying to get into the heart of the culture because I found, and I don't know if you agree, as nomads, we meet a lot of other nomads and you can go to Chiang Mai, for example, and only talk to nomads if you Mm. want. Mm. Do you have any ways that you found to be very effective for getting into the heart of the local culture when you go places? Mm, I use uh, dif- I use the network uh, of, of, and, and social media a lot to, to look for uh, things to talk about and uh, when I'm going somewhere I, I, I can I post uh, in Facebook groups and on my my own uh, pages that uh, is, does anybody know anyone here that I should talk to or uh, anything that's interesting to to talk about or to see. Uh, but then it can also be just um, starting to chat with the with people. Uh, like when I was in Tishnit in uh, Morocco, I 
uh, I spoke to the local butcher. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and uh, we became good friends. Uh, he, uh, it was, it was the kind of place where you. Uh, you stand on the sidewalk, and he opens. There's a window into the butcher shop, and you buy the the meat there. And then you go next door where they barbecue the thing. So there were chairs. He was he was not a part of the restaurant, but in a way he was because you buy the meat at his place and then go in and have it uh, on the barbecue next door. And uh, and then he he came out and and and, and sat with me, and uh, we had some tea, and uh, we started chatting. Uh, and and I interviewed him, uh, and then he also invited me and, uh, and a friend of mine uh, to his house for for lunch. And uh, a few weeks later, when uh, I got pneumonia and I had to go back to Tishnit to go to the hospital, uh, he was there for me and went with me to the hospital, helped translate. And uh, uh, he was a really really nice guy. And uh, and that's. As just one example, in, in, in Gambia, I became good friends with the security guard of the uh, hotel, and we're still connect. I'm still connected to both of these guys. Uh, and sometimes I'm couch surfing and stay with locals. Uh, sometimes I, I, I became friends with uh, my Airbnb host. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, there are many different ways. Couch surfing is a good way. When you travel, do you often meet up with friends that you already know when you're going to new places? Or how do you choose the new places that you go to again that's a very uh, it's very varied uh, how how it's done after here obviously here we we get so many connections with the uh, with the other nomads that are and we are part of this uh, alumni community uh, where we can post if we are somewhere and say any is anybody here uh, and and then we can meet up uh, I've done that a lot and uh, I'm going to continue to do that but when when we get to Dubai um, uh, I'm heading out to Bali where uh, some other nomads are and uh, we're we're going to spend Christmas together and um, that's going to be that's going to be nice yeah I think people who think about us traveling continually would wonder like how do you keep entertaining yourself with the next country or think of the next place to go when there's no end to it yeah and 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 that's that's a whole thing that it's different and and that's why I say that well this is not for everybody because you are you are uh, having connections and then you are alone for a while and then you meet somebody else uh, so it's hard to maintain that typical type of relationships um, when when you travel so much but but for me, it's it's fine, and I'm also fine with just being uh, by myself uh, and uh, and hanging out. I'm uh, pretty comfortable uh, in my own comfort company, so so I can I can do that as well. But um, that's one of the reasons it it, it can be challenging uh, if if you if you need to be with the, the same group of people all the time. What has been the biggest challenge you faced? Would you say in this? three-and-a-half-year nomadic journey? I think the biggest challenge uh, has not been the journey itself. It's been uh, maintaining my net, my professional network uh, in because my clients uh, are, or at least were, typically uh, Danish uh, advertisers and agencies and because I was producing radio commercials. And uh, it wasn't my, the way I ran my business when I was in Denmark. It wasn't like I was running around knocking on doors at uh, at agencies. So I didn't really need to be in Denmark. But I was uh, part of a lot of network groups. So I was going to a lot of uh, business network meetings. So I was top of mind. I, I, I 
a lot of people, they knew what I was doing because they were meeting me every week and they recommended me to, to potential clients. And I'm obviously not in those meetings, this network groups now when I'm here. So that has been the challenge. Uh, before, I just, clients came to me. Uh, now, not so much. So that's why I've, I, I, I had to sort of change the way I work. I do a more online marketing and I do, I'm, I'm having more of a presence uh, in, in, in online media and uh, trying to connect to potential clients that way. So that's been, I think, the biggest challenge is uh, maintaining the professional network. Uh, and when, uh, when it comes to travel, I... Obviously, there's, there's a lot of logistics that goes into it, but uh, that's just something that I have to do instead of cleaning my house and mowing the lawn, which obviously I don't do. So uh, I don't really think that's much of a challenge with it. That's good to hear. Mm. I know it can be a, a really annoying point for people continually traveling. Mm. I, I actually like doing logistics, but uh, oh, it sounds like I could do work. some of mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm going to start a different kind of business uh, here. Yeah. <laughs> um, for your business on the road, because I know a lot of people who have not done our lifestyle are curious about, like, how does it actually work? How many hours a day do you typically work? Do you do Monday to Friday? or is it That is very, very different. Four hours a week. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I've heard this about this book before. Um, have you read it? No. Um, so when I have a project, I work a lot. Uh, I don't really know how many hours. Uh, it's it's it, it varies a lot. But when I have a project, I work a lot. When I don't, I don't. Uh, so it it's 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 very much up and down. Uh, as for my own podcast, it's more like a passion project. Uh, I I tend to spend a lot of time editing, but um, uh, I don't really know how many hours. It's not nearly as much as a full-time job, uh, I, I would say that. So it's project-based and then it is. Just, do you have any clients that you're continually doing projects for as they get new ones? Or? I, have a, I have a few. I, uh, I'm, I've been doing a lot of work for Lego, uh, uh, working with their uh, podcast uh, project. I did a, a two seasons of the Lego Technique podcast in 2018 and right now I'm working on a new uh, super secret project uh, so uh, so that's keeping me busy right now but I have a few I'm, I'm getting more and more into producing podcasts for clients uh, that's uh, that was only like 5% of my business before and now it's at least 70% uh, so that's what I'm doing most of my time producing podcasts. And on the flip side of the biggest challenge that you faced, what's the thing that surprised you the most about this nomadic journey you've been having? I think it it's, it surprised me how uh, how my, my my plans have changed so much. Before I started traveling, I made out this really detailed route of where I was gonna go, and it was uh, I, I drew I made up a map of uh, my my journey around the world, and it was just a nice line around the world. And then I made a map of how I've been traveling so far, and it just looks like spaghetti thrown onto a map. It's It's been all over the place, and then a little bit here, and then a lot in Europe, and then a lot in the U.S., and a lot in Asia. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really, it, it looks crazy the way I've been traveling. I knew that my plans was going to change. I did not expect them to change this much. Um, but 
that's just the way things turn out and uh, and then there's a conference here and I go there and I this and a nomad crew so I go back to Europe in order to sail I was in, in I was in Mexico and, and the US and then flew across the Atlantic to get on the boat from Barcelona to Brazil to sail back so uh, it's it's been it's been kind of crazy uh, the way I travel and also sometimes I'm in a region and I just think uh, I've had enough Asian food for a while, let me go somewhere else. And then I've been a while in the US and I just think, oh, I need to get out of this place. <laughs> no, no, and then it, it, so it, it's, sometimes it's it's nice to, with a different uh, area. And so I've been, yeah, the, the plans have changed more than I was expecting them to change. And I think that's been the, the biggest surprise. I do want to ask you about what travel has taught you about yourself. It's something that's keeping me inspired. Uh, and it's so funny with with time. Uh, I've been traveling three years, and in one way, the time has flown by really, really fast. And another way, I think, is this really only three years? Because so much has happened. When you're in the normal grind in the day-to-day life, uh, five years can just fly by so quickly. Uh, even though you're doing pretty much the same thing every day uh, more or less but you're you're going in the same circles and time flies so fast and and with these three years I've been to so many places I've met so many people which is the thing that this traveling thing is giving me the most is, uh, is the people and uh, and I just is this really only three years it feels like 20 uh, so I like this cruise <laughs> Of 17 days. <laughs> yeah. Fast and slow. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's weird. I think people thinking about doing this journey would face a lot of fear thinking about it. Do you have any advice for people, let's say people like yourself that might be listening to this podcast who mm-hmm. have lived generally in the same area their whole life, but they're like, I never got to have that big journey, and now I'd like to do it, but man, that's... That's a big step. That's a big step. Yeah. Depends on if are people attached to their things. I was not. Uh, I'm attached to my books and my vinyl records. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, that's the only thing. But my furniture, not so much. But some people might be that. But if they're in the same place and they they feel, yeah, it's just my IKEA furniture. I can get some new if I if I don't like the traveling thing. I I would say just just jump in and 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 do it and. Um, and uh, take the step and, and and say it out loud. Yes. So you sort of make a commitment also only to yourself, but also to the world that you're going to do this. Uh, and then just uh, uh, take it one step at a time, uh, one one country at a time. And uh, if you if you if you like if you, if it feels right travel travel quickly go from one place to another uh, fairly quickly but uh, if you think oh this this is too much then just stay in the same place uh, a bit longer uh, and travel the way it it feels right for you Um, but I would say it's 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 all about uh, making the first step and uh, and saying it out loud make the decision and then say it out loud 
Yeah, say it in the mirror if you have to as well. <laughs> yeah, we've been yeah. talking about mirror work on the uh-huh. screws. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I, I imagine if I said it to myself every morning, I'd start to just become mm. a comfortable thing. Mm. So mm-hmm. now I am going to ask you about North Korea because I've teased this a few times. Mm-hmm. I wonder because I still haven't been there. I was once asked to go and I said no because partly it was February and I thought that must be cold. But uh, what was your experience mm. in North Korea? And as an American, you can't go right now. Not right now, yes. It was a few years before yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's... Um, uh, when, when, it, when it's... Um, if you have a European passport and if you, if you are allowed to go, uh, you, it's really not that difficult. You get a uh, double-entry visa to China because you are going back to China. You can't go to South Korea from North Korea. So you're getting a double entry visa to China, which is fairly easy. I got mine in uh, in Hong Kong and uh, it's pretty easy. And then uh, I um, uh, get you get an organized tour. Uh, oh, what was the name of the company I was with? But there are a few tour organi- uh, organizers that, that organize these trips to, uh, to North Korea. Mine was just a three day trip uh, and uh, you're with the local guides all the time. There are guides from the company that uh, you, you, you book the trip with. In my case, it was two Australian guys. But then you are with the, the local North Korean guides all the time, and they obviously only show you the stuff that they want you to see. You're not allowed to leave the hotel room without a guide, but we got to see a lot of things. So you have to do your own research and and about the place because obviously you they show you the nice things they show you the monuments and uh, we did go walking on the streets we did go riding on the subway we even uh, did a small pub crawl uh, in North Korea in Pyongyang which was uh, kind of weird and and, and funny but uh, but it was interesting it was super super interesting to see and uh, um, I think the thing that um, that uh, made the biggest impression on me was just observing the the local people. Uh, We didn't communicate with the local people on the street because they don't speak English, uh, uh, not to my knowledge, but the guides we we saw, uh, we spoke a lot to, and they were funny and charming, and uh, we spoke about their life and their family, and... uh, uh, but we also got to see the people uh, when we were walking the streets and, and riding the subway and uh, um, coming in on the train in, 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 in Pyongyang uh, on the railway station. We saw families and uh, parents with their, their kids and uh, that's what made the biggest impression on me because uh, they are uh, quote unquote the enemy. Uh, so it's when when they have a leader that's doing some some crazy uh, stuff then then you you have a tendency to fall into that uh, oh we should just bomb them uh, or or do something but it's it's uh, being there and meeting them and uh, s- s- they're just going on with their normal life and loving their uh, kids too and uh, that's what made the biggest impression on me I feel like the lesson that we're really all the same exactly is what you really take away the more and more you try. Yeah, and and they are obviously they only th- they they think they're the good guys as well, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we're people. We're all people. What year did you go there? That was in two thousand and sixteen, and actually this was with the same um, company that had uh, that did the trip with the um, Otto Wombier. 
uh, from the U.S. Uh, who tragically died when he came back, and he was actually still there when we were there. It was a year after uh, he was uh, captured for trying to uh, steal a poster. Uh, and one of the Australian guides was with him on that trip, so I spoke to him uh, on my podcast uh, about uh, the whole experience and what kind of guy he was. And he said, oh, he's going to come home soon. He's not doing 15 years of hard labor. He's going to come home soon. And what little did we know that he did, but that uh, he came home in a coma, we did not know. And it was uh, yeah, very, very tragic. And he told me what, what, what happened that night. It was on a New Year's Eve, and uh, he just went to the secret floor of the hotel they were in and, and saw these posters and thought, oh, that would be cool to bring home. So he took one down from the wall and thought he could roll it up or fold it, but uh, if he couldn't, it was on a, on, a, on a hard surface plate, so he just put it on the floor and went down and partied on. He was probably half drunk because it was New Year's Eve and uh, didn't think more about it. Uh, until he came to the airport and they tapped him on the shoulder and said, can you please come with us? Yeah, it was just so crazy. Uh, and uh, yeah, you, 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 you got to uh, think what you're doing and, and, and follow the rules. And, uh, and actually, I did something stupid when I was there <laughs> that I... Uh, I, uh, we were, we could take photos of just about everything, but obviously not something with the military and the border control. Uh, and I just uh, a few weeks before uh, got a wristwatch uh, that had a small video camera. And then as we were going through um, uh, the border control, uh, and my daughter was having her bags search, I was standing in the doorway with this uh, wristwatch filming the whole thing. And I do not know why I did it. I just thought, oh, this is funny. This is cool. It's our natural instinct anywhere else. Yeah, and uh, and I, it was because my name is Bond, Radio Vagabond. So I thought, this is cool. This is funny, and it's a good story. And and I don't know why I did it, because if they found out, I would probably still be there. Uh, it was, I don't know what I was thinking. It was so stupid. Wow. Yeah. So I'm probably not going back. Okay. Uh, a friend of mine who knows a lot about uh, North Korea, he said, they have a record on you. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And if, if, if any North Koreans are listening, I would like to say I apologize. I was stupid. Do not do that. Yes, yes. Yeah, anywhere you are, it's, yeah. it's still always important to follow the rules of the country. Absolutely, absolutely. No matter how much you think you're going to try and change that country by showing them mm. another way of mm. being. No. No, not, no. The, not the way to go about no. it, I think. So, thank you for sharing that, though. Mm. I, maybe one day I'll go. Um, we'll yeah. see. Who knows yeah. what's going to happen. Should. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, uh, do they have any f imported beer when you go on these pub crawls there? Or is it all local? I think it's, I think it's all local. They might have had some, some Chinese. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't remember, but they, they drink a lot. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah. I'm also imagining on the train, no one's on a smartphone. No, 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 we, no, no. <laughs> that would be a no. very different thing, right? Yeah, and we had, we had no Wi-Fi anywhere, and I, I was doing a podcast, but I recorded everything straight onto my phone. I did not bring any of my microphones. They were uh, at the hotel back in China that we were going back to, uh, because... I, to explain that I was doing a podcast and, oh, they don't like journalists. 
Right. Did you interview the guides? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just sitting with my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Do something there. But but I didn't. I didn't even have a microphone attached to my iPhone. It was just straight onto my iPhone, and um, yeah, it works. Right. Well, Mm. Bill, thank you very much for sitting down with me on this cruise and like. It's a pleasure. Yeah, like we've said before, it's good to meet somebody in the same space. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna put all the links to your podcast, and also gonna find the North Korea episode and highlight that. So. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks again to Palais Beau for getting up early in the morning with me and hanging out in the game room on the Nomad Cruise to get the best sound quality we could. And what was a really fascinating story about someone over 50 who decides it's not too late for me to get on the road and start my digital nomad journey. I also think it's a really great example of how you can take what you're already doing keep doing it and take it on the road with him doing a lot of podcast production now. And we also see how his work changes as he's on the road longer. Our travel quote for this week comes from Palais Beau. I love it when he says, say it out loud. This could be for travel or this could be for anything, but I think saying it out loud, as Palais Beau tells us, is such an important part of making it real, as Palais Beau has done with his travels so successfully. We're going to put the links to Palais Beau's podcast, The Radio Vagabond. As he says in the podcast, please search for The Radio Vagabond to find the English version. And also the link to the episode he mentions about North Korea. That was a fascinating story at the end there. And if you want to hear his interview about North Korea, please check our website, theschooloftravels.com. Thank you, as always, listeners, for tuning in so faithfully for every episode. Next week, you will want to tune in. I'm actually going to be releasing another episode in just over a week from now, which is quicker than my usual two-week production schedule because I am very excited to announce the release of a brand new book, The Middle Finger Project, and you won't want to miss my interview with the author, Ashley Amberger. She is a powerhouse on so many levels, and she has got such an amazing personality. You're going to love it, and you're going to love her book. So please tune in next week. It is going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the School of Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be when you were born. You'd see it all with your head up standing tall, and you'd look back and think it's funny how you spent your time and money.